Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Well, if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. We've been working through this Sunday school material, Psalm 119, and we're on lesson number 22, one more to go. Remember, there are 22 sections in Psalm 119, eight sections apiece, and we've been taking them one section at a time. Now remember, the significant feature of Psalm 119 is that every verse in Psalm 119 speaks about God's Word, some fashion or some way. But this is not a psalm that says, well, just read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, love the Bible, love the Bible. But instead, it tells of a story. It tells of a real-life historical account of the psalmist. The psalmist does not name, though we have speculated made guesses. But whoever this psalmist is, he is under great persecution. He is all alone. He's at a place where there's no other encouragement. And he has written this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of reminding himself that no matter how bad things get, he needs to trust God's Word. No matter how hopeless things get, he trusts in God's Word. That's where it comes as hope. That he needs God's Word. He's dependent upon God's Word. He has to have it. And so because of that, it is an easily applicable book that it's not just telling you, read your Bible, read your, read your Bible. But instead, it's giving a testimony account of someone who is legitimately going through hard times and how he has to depend upon the Word of God as an example to us in our life that we need to be dependent upon God's Word. So we pick it up in this next to last section in Psalm 119. Psalm 119, and notice with me in verse number 61. Psalm 119 in verse number 61. The Bible says, Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe at thy word. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteousness. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation and have done thy commandments. My soul hath kept thy testimonies. I love them exceedingly. I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies, for all my ways are before thee. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in Psalm 119? Psalm 119 in verse 165. 119, 165, pretty much the whole verse. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. If this is not a memorized verse within your personal life, may I highly recommend that you memorize this verse. This is a powerful verse, and it is a true verse. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing, nothing shall 
offend them. This word offended is a very popular word in today's culture because everyone's offended. They're offended about cartoon characters. They're offended against um, syrup bottles. They're offended about rice. They're offended about Twitter accounts. They're offended about everything today. We live in an offensive world. But notice what it says. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. We've learned in this church that our best way of understanding is to define our terms. What does the word offended mean? What does it mean to offend? The word offend comes is the same type of word as a stumbling block. So here we got a word picture. What does it mean to be offended? It means I have something that I stumble over. Something that as I'm trying to move forward, as I'm going in my path, something gets in my way that stops me. It trips me up. It makes me stop. It's just in the way. So as my goal is to follow after Christ, there's stumbling blocks. There are offenses. Now instead of following God, I'm now sidetracked and I'm going around, I'm detouring, but I'm no longer keeping my eyes on the Lord. I'm looking at the offense. I'm looking at what caused the offense. I'm I'm stuck. I'm now in a position now. I'm offended. I've stumbled. There's been a stumbling block in my way. That puts a word picture in your mind. Because whenever you get offended, that means your eyes are no longer on the Lord. And the Bible says that great peace have they which love thy law. So here we could have an opposite of. You are either offended or you have great peace. Could we make an observation about looking at today's world? Those people that are offended, do they currently have peace? Nope. Not at all. The opposite. They are very much not in peace. They're up in arms. They're ready to go. So here we're relating quite a bit. Something that can apply to our world. We live in a world that is very offended. By the way, you don't have to be part of a political party to be offended. Or a certain political. You could be offended. We know that there are Christians that could be offended. And so we're not talking about a group of people. We're talking about modern everyday life that it seems like it doesn't matter who you are in this world today, you're offended. You're offended. <laughs> Everyone is up in arms. Everyone's upset. And it doesn't matter. There is a lot of stumbling blocks. There's a lot of people who do not have great peace. But the Bible here gives a wonderful promise. Great peace, not just little peace, not just a peace, great peace. Have they which love thy law and nothing, I like that word nothing, nothing shall offend them. We have people that get offended over everything. More than once I've had somebody, pastor I'm offended at you. Well, what did I do this time? You didn't shake my hand. You shook everybody's hand but me. Is there something wrong with me? They're offended. They don't currently have great peace. <laughs> you didn't say hello to me. Well, sorry, not trying to, but sometimes things happen. <laughs> um, we understand we live in an offensive world. I'm making an illustration to try to say, listen, even we in this room have been offended. Great peace have they which love thy law and Nothing, nothing, nothing 
shall offend them. So with this in mind, that was introduction, let's dive into this message and see this psalm here and see the principle that's here. Remember, the psalmist is under great persecution. There's a lot of things going on. This is a powerful statement after studying everything that the psalmist went through to be able to claim this promise, that great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Notice, first of all, there's persecution is all around. Persecution is all around. Notice with me 161. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. He has been giving the scenario he's on that princes, people in authority, have been trying to, uh, trying to get him to fail. Now, we've often attached um, Daniel to this. Well, remember Daniel? He had not just once, but several times, but a big significant account where he had all of the princes of the kingdom that were offended by him. And so much so that they were trying to find some way to get him to stop, uh, to get him out of office, to get him where he's dead, to get him where he's no longer got his great influence. And so they studied him. Their conclusion is that there's no way we can get him to disobey the law. There's nobody we, way we can get him to disobey the rules, except is if we could get him to choose his Bible, his God over the law. And so remember, they came up with this great plan that they were going to pass a law that during a month period, the only deity, the only God, the only person, the only being you could pray to was the king at that time. Wow. And they knew that Daniel had prayed three times a day. They came up with this law for no other reason. This law was not to promote the king. This law was made specifically to trap Daniel. No wonder he can say, if that was typical in his life, princes have persecuted me without a cause. The only reason to pass that law was to trip up Daniel. There was no other practicality of that law. Now, if this is Daniel that's writing here, that's a pretty powerful statement. They're trying to persecute me without a cause. It's not like I did something. They just hate me. And they're trying on purpose to get me to stop. What do you do with that? Notice what he said. But my heart standeth in awe of thy word. Normally, given the choice to be in awe of an authority figure or awe of the Bible, we choose to awe, to be in wonder, to be in amazement of the authority figure. When's the last time the Bible's made you go, wow? When's the last time the Bible's made you go, wonderful, wow, I just, that just blew my mind. We should constantly be in awe of God's word. But most people, if we have the president of the United States, it doesn't matter which president. If we had the president of the United States come in here, most of us would go, wow, the president was here. We tell people, do you know who showed up at church? Well, it'd be wonderful if the president showed up to church. But if you met the president, wow, I met the president. Even the governor. Man, you know who I shook hands with today? It was the governor. I may not have voted for him, but I got to talk with the governor. We're in awe. It was something. 
Someone came in. Some sports legend come in. Wow! Wow! What? Guess who I met today? When's the last time you were that excited about the Bible? Wow! You want to know what I read today? I, well, this is good! That should be normal. That we're more in awe of the Bible. We will be less in awe with what the government's doing. Amen. <laughs> less amazed about what the government could do some pretty shocking, amazing things, especially in these last couple years. When's the last time you were more excited about the Bible, more passionate about the Bible than what the government was doing? Well, this is part of it. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Well, what makes you go, wow? What makes you strikes awe in your heart? What makes it where you want to talk about it? The Bible or what's going on in the world? Wow. Wow. There is persecution going all around. There's awful things going around, and it's not going to stop. We should be in our Bibles enough and reading it enough and looking through it enough that the Bible's constantly making us go, wow, wouldn't it be a better day? Wouldn't it be a better peaceful day if you're thinking about your Bible reading all the day rather than what you heard on the news? Amen. Yes. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Well, if you're more concerned about your Bible reading than what is going around you, that's where you start. Letting the Bible make you go, wow. Now, an underlying current, we don't have to say that. But if you're not reading your Bible, you're not going to be wowed by the Bible. You're going to be more easily offended. Could we see, as you look at your own life, there is a direct correlation between your Bible reading and how, much, how less you're offended. If you're less in your Bible, you're more easily offended. By the way, that's true of everyone. I'm a preacher. If I'm not in my Bible, I can tell that more people aggravate me. Yep. We need to be in God's Word. We need to follow it. Next thing we see is peace found in, great, in God's Word. The peace, great peace that's found in God's Word. Psalm 119, and notice with me in 162. Psalm 119 and verse 162. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. This idea of spoil, remember this is an old ancient way of saying great treasure. Notice here's a comparison again. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great treasure. All right, let's just, um, because we don't have millionaires in here and we don't even have thousandaires in here, this illustration work. If someone went outside and found a hundred dollar bill right by their car, wouldn't you rejoice just a little bit? Yeah. Uh, that's a big deal for pretty much everybody in this room. I don't know anybody that's not, that wouldn't be a big fake. Woohoo! Look at what I found! When's the last time you were that excited about your Bible reading? Look at what I found. Oh, this is wonderful. This is great. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great treasure. Man, to have God's word is something very good. And it should be something as you're reading it for yourself. You're finding the hidden treasures. You're finding diamonds as you're digging down. You're digging and going, wow, this is wonderful. This is amazing. So I guess what we're doing is we're defining what we mean by Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Are you more 
concerned, passionate, stirred up about your Bible reading or what's going on in the world? Are you excited about reading your Bible and finding things in your Bible? Loving and just can't wait to find that next treasure? Well, you understand if that's not how your Bible reading currently is, may I say that you're more susceptible of being offended? I'm just saying what the Bible says. I'm trying to give you some help. Because there are Christians and you can have a Christian life where nothing offends you. By the way, there's a difference between nothing offends you and you pretend it doesn't offend you. You could be offended, not show it. Stupid people, I can't believe. Right? We deal with stupid people all the time. The idea is, is that we're looking at God and digging in God and He changes how we respond. That it doesn't bother us. Notice as it goes on. It says, I hate and abhor lying. But thy law do I love. Here we're seeing another comparison. We live in a world that's filled with lies. None of those lies produce peace. That's a true statement. Lies do not produce peace. The lies of the world promise pleasure and promise satisfaction. But they can't produce those things and they fall short of delivering peace. You could have satisfaction for just a split second. And then it goes away. And you're left more empty than what you were before. It doesn't offer peace. It doesn't offer anything lasting. It offers something momentary and then fleeting and then gone. Now you're more empty than what you was before. The lies of religion promise peace, but they deliver eternal damnation. There are people that go to religion, not the Bible, go to religion and look for answers in religion. But religion tells you all the things that you have to do, have to do, have to do, have to do. Those people don't have peace. For example, we know that Roman Catholics, if they're taught what their doctrine taught, teaches, that in order to go to heaven, you have to fulfill the seven sacraments. How do I know? I've asked a Catholic cardinal once. How can I know for sure that I'm going to heaven? And he listed the whole seven car, uh, sacraments that you have to be baptized. You have to participate in mass all the time. You have to, and then he went through all the seven sacraments. I said, after doing all of that, will I be guaranteed to go to heaven? He says, well, you'll be close. That means I'll never know for sure. Did I do enough? There's a lot of people who believe because of religion that going to heaven is like a weight system. That if my good works somehow outweigh my bad, I'll be able to slide right in. But how do you know when your weight, your scale's weighted? How do I know? I mean, you could take old Egyptian mythology and say, what they're going to do is place your heart and they're going to put a feather on the other side. And if your heart balances out, if it's heavier than the, than the feather, then you're going to hell, damnation. But if it's lighter or if it balances out, you're good. Well, how do I know? Do I take my heart out of my chest and measure it every now and again? I mean, how do I know? There is no peace that religion has when it teaches you that you have to do it yourself. That you have to be a good enough person. That you have to live a perfect life. That you have to. The wonderful thing about biblical Christianity is that it's not about what I do. It's all about what he did. Jesus paid it all. He paid all of my sins full, free, and forever. The Bible says in 1 John 5.13, These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know... That you have eternal life. Not guess or think or hope. 
I can know. You know what great peace there is knowing that my sins are forgiven. Knowing that God promised and God can't break a promise. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, I'm thankful there's an assurity from it. There is a confidence that we have that I can know that I'm going to heaven. Not because of my good works, which I could fall short. Not because of my charming personality, because sometimes it's not. Not because I lived one day perfect, because it's never happened. But because God made a promise and he can't lie and I could trust his word. There's a peace that comes with it. Because I trust God's word. The world is full of lies. And those lies don't bring peace. They don't bring any peace, much less great peace. They take away this true peace. So how can we develop a love and appreciation for God's word? That's a good question. Because we're talking about loving God's word. We're talking about that if we love God's word the way that we should, that we'll have great peace. How do we do that? Well, notice what the Bible says in verse 164. Seven times a day do I praise thee. Why? Because of thy righteous judgments. <laughs> do you think that if you started thanking God for his Bible that you'd appreciate it more? Yep. Thank you for your word. You know, there's a lot of people, and this is common. I'm not picking on people, but people could relate. That they read their Bible because they have to. They read their Bible because it's a checklist. They read their Bible because pastor told them to, and if I don't, well, then I'm going to feel guilty. There's a difference between reading your Bible because you have to and reading your Bible because you really want to. Reading your Bible because you're thankful. Reading your Bible because you know this is what God's given us to. How do I develop that love? Well, first of all, practicality, thank God for it. Thank you for your word. Thank you that I have a Bible for myself that I could read for myself. You know, the more thankful you are to something, the more you will appreciate it. It sounds so simple that it almost feels like it wouldn't work. But I double dog dare you to try it. Notice he said seven times. Well, God, thank you for your word. You know, after seven times, you might actually mean it. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you've given me the word. You know, it's hard to thank God for his word and then not want to read it if you really mean it. Right? You know, there's a way, there's practical ways we can learn to love God's word. Being thankful for it is a good first step. Why is all this important? Well, he said, seven times a day, I praise thee because of thy righteousness. Uh, thy righteous judgments, which all of this leads to verse 65. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Notice the results of this. If we love God's word, the result is great peace. Now, may I also emphasize here, peace is not the goal. God is the goal. Peace is the byproduct. That once you have God, how do we get God? By His Word. As you spend time with God in His Word, as you're seeking for God in His Word, the side effect 
of obtaining God is great peace. If you make peace your goal, you're going to miss both goals. <clears throat> God is the goal. But when you have God, when you're looking for God, when you have your eyes on Him, the side effect is great peace. That's important to understand that being great peace is not the goal. God is the goal. By the way, nothing shall offend me is another byproduct. It's a natural thing that if my eyes are on the Lord, then what people do around me doesn't affect me. Why? Because peace is not dependent upon circumstances. It's dependent upon God. For example, when you fly in a plane, you have the stewardess and the steward eye or whatever you call them, the men that fly up there. And as you're flying up on the plane, when you hit turbulence, they say that you're supposed to look at the servants, the stewards, and see how they're responding. And if they're still serving drinks and smiling, you know you're going to be fine. But if you hit some turbulence and you watch them running for a seat and buckling in, you know that everything's not going to be fine. You keep your eyes on them and see how they're responding. Well, when the world starts getting shaken and topsy-turvy, as long as you're looking up and see that God's sitting on the throne, that he's not rubbing his head and going, oh man, he's not wringing his hands, he's not pacing. He's sitting on the throne and everything's all right. He's got everything well in hand. That should help give us peace because we're keeping our eyes on him. This is an important phrase. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing, nothing shall offend them. Nothing shall offend them. You know, sometimes people will come and say, well, I'm not trying to cause offense. Listen, if you can make me be offended, the problem's not you. The problem's with me. Because if my eyes are on the Lord, the Bible gives me a promise that I should not be offended. That means people around me could be stupid. And do people around me be stupid? Absolutely. When the government acts the fool, does the government act the fool? Yes. I don't have to lose my mind. Amen. Great peace, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. You know, whenever you start getting offended, and by the way, how do I know I'm offended? When you start feeling that heat rising in there. When you start looking at the circumstances, when they start, when you feel that aggravation start building up, you're offended. You're currently stumbled. That means that you haven't been in your Bible enough. You're currently not looking at the Lord present tense. <clears throat> John R. Rice was an old preacher of yesteryear, very popular, and he'd do uh, great preaching conferences, and preachers would come from all over to come and hear him. And afterwards, there would be the normal wait in line to go shake the preacher's hand, and there would be pastors lining up. Can you imagine a bunch of pastors lining up to talk to John R. Rice, to have him sign his Bible, and kind of like, you know, just little kids getting the preacher to sign the Bible. And so... <laughs> John R. Rice was talking with this other guy and said, oh, I'm so glad to see you. How are you doing? And the guy says, well, I'm doing all right under the circumstances. Well, John R. Rice looked over his glasses and said, what are you doing under them? Circumstances do not determine our peace. Amen. The psalmist is a great example. They're persecuting him without a cause. And he could still be, have great peace when they're trying to kill him. Another example, don't turn there. But in uh, Acts chapter 6, you have the stoning of Stephen. Acts chapter 6, they have him on trial. At the end of the trial, where they actually have people coming to lie against him. 
at the very end of the chapter, they look at him and his face shone as if it were the face of an angel. If you're on a false trial and people have been hired to lie against you, how would your face be? They looked at him and he had great peace. It was as the face of an angel. There was great peace and calmness. Even when they were putting him on a false trial and people were lying against him, great peace have I who love thy are the great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Listen, if you getting put on a false trial where people are hired to lie against you doesn't cause you to stumble, something's working. And we can have that too. Absolutely can have that. Is that the type of peace that you have during the day dealing with people? Most of us work in jobs where we deal with people some way or another. When we work with people, you deal with stupid people. Do they dictate whether you have a good day or not? You understand the Bible if is true, then if God's on the throne and you're looking at him, determines whether you have a good day or not. Does it matter how bad work is? This is a powerful thing. This is what makes true biblical Christianity different from everyone else. Because when we go through those hard times and we can go through with great peace, the people around us say, whatever you have, that's what I want because you got something different. There should be something different. Do we have this great peace? It is obtainable, not by making yourself a monk or going on a mountain or meditating in some strange fashion. Just loving God's word and keeping your eyes on him. Simple. Simple. You can have great peace. Remember that word offend carries the idea of stumbling block. And if we are, have great peace because we're looking at God, different things can't make us stumble. Situations cannot make us stumble. Scholars cannot make us stumble. Sovereigns can't make us stumble. Sinners can't make us stumble. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Which now brings us to one last thing. The decisions, the decision to follow God's word. The decision to follow God's word. Now we understand that there are circumstances that we're going to face. There are situations around us. But we know that we don't have to stumble. We don't have to be offended. We can have great peace. But it starts with a decision. Notice these decisions to follow after God's word. Verse 166. Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation and done those commandments. The psalmist has placed his trust and love in God's word. Because of this truth and love, the psalmist could hope with the strongest meaning of that word hope. That God will grant him salvation. Meaning deliverance from his situation. This word salvation in the Old Testament you have to be careful with. It doesn't always refer to a spiritual salvation. Salvation, just simple terms, means to deliver from your circumstances. Deliver from the situation that you're in. He says, because I'm trusting in you and I'm looking at you, I could trust that you could work in my circumstances. That you could do something. That you can work. That God's word is going to to affect. God is always at work. He decided he was going to love God's word. He was going to obey God's word. He was going to keep doing what he was supposed to. Notice 167. My soul hath kept thy testimonies. 
I love them exceedingly. The psalmist loved the Lord's commandments. Notice how much he loved God's words. He loved them exceedingly. The difference between loving God's word and liking God's word. I like to read God's word. I love to read God's word. I want to read it. Again, most of the time, let's just pause. The message that I say, salvation, salvation, salvation. Then once you're saved, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. Don't you have another message? Read your Bible, read your Bible. Don't you say something? Read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. Why do I have to keep saying that? Because people don't read their Bible. This is the key to everything. Is to love God's word. To be in there. To not just read your Bible. Because I have to. Not as a checklist. But to get to the place where I love to read God's word. I want to read God's word. That's the goal. Is to get you to the place where you're looking at God for yourself. Not someone say, alright, did you read your Bible today? Come on, you could do it. We're trying to move you past that place. To get... I want to read the Bible for myself. I want to see what God has for me today. I am now dependent. What we're trying to get you to do is be less dependent on someone telling you, read your Bible, read your Bible, to the place where you say, I'm reading it for myself because I know this is what's right and it's because I want what I want to do. I'm trying to transition you there. But sometimes that step's important. Read your Bible, read your Bible. Why do you keep telling me that? Because I want you to read your Bible, read your Bible. If you read your Bible, I wouldn't have to tell you to read your Bible. Right? <laughs> this is part of it. Is for you to get to the place where you're reading it for yourself. Because you want to. There are people who don't mind reading the Bible. But that's the difference between not minding and loving to read God's word. There is a difference. A big difference. <clears throat> Jesus changed everything by the way. In the Old Testament you you were commanded to read your Bible because it was a matter of God's will. This is what God has for me. But in the New Testament, Jesus switched it off a little bit and he made it a matter of love. Jesus said, if you obey me, keep my, or if you, uh, if you love me, keep my commandments. Because I love the Lord, I love what he loves. He loves his word. Because I love him, I want to know more about him. I read his word. Things have changed. We can love God's word because we love him. Remember, the goal is God. And because we have God, we can have great peace. And because we have great uh, God, we, cannot be, we won't be offended over things. This is where it goes. We're trying to get you to read and have this relationship with God for yourself. So you're not dependent upon another person in your Christian life. The goal is to make you dependent upon him, not dependent upon someone else. God's will should be between you and God. I'm directing traffic. I'm pointing you up, looking up. I want you to be dependent upon the Lord. Notice 168. I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies, for all my ways are before thee. The psalmist knew that God was watching his ways. If love moved the psalmist to keep God's word, logic helped him keep it. Keeping God's word made good sense. It was logical because God was watching him. Now, we understand there's an idea of accountability, and that helps. So that way, any times that I feel like I don't want to read God's word, We'll go back to duty. Well, fine, I'll do it because I'm supposed to. 
But the goal is to do it because you want to, because it still makes you go, wow. You could read your Bible a hundred times and still find something and go, wow, this is amazing. This is great. I just saw something as I was studying for a future message. And I went and said, oh, Miss Leah, Miss Leah, closed the door, told Miss Leah and Zev about it. And both of them like, oh, it's great. Is this today? No, no, no. This is, this is message in February. They're like, oh, that was so good though. We should still be finding things that are making us go, wow. We should still be finding. And if you love God's word, it should be a constant appearance. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall be offend them. So, are you an easily offendable person? Do people aggravate you? Does the government aggravate you? Or can you be at a place where you have great peace because of who God is? It comes from you loving God through His Word. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.